Hi, everyone. This is Inside Dance with Taylor and Alex. Featuring your hosts, Taylor Bradley. And Alex Yankovic. Yeah, every day, we're just out here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another amazing episode of Inside Dance with your hosts, Taylor and Alex. We are just about halfway through the year, which is crazy, but we are so excited to be with you for another week. You guys, this week, we are so lucky. We are joined by the incredibly talented Chip Abbott. He is a Broadway dancer, choreographer, director, teacher, honestly, just has so much knowledge. So stay tuned for his interview later this episode because you do not want to miss it. If you're just joining us for the first time, we are a podcast that is dedicated to the conversation about dance. We started this podcast as a exchange of information to keep each other inspired, motivated, and to learn from one another. Each week, we feature a special guest from a varying aspect of the dance industry and just pick their brain and learn from their experiences as to how they shaped their dance career. Before we get started, though, a little bit of housekeeping. Make sure that we are staying up to date with each other on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Inside Dance Podcast. While you're there, go ahead and give our friends, our partners, our sponsors over at Inside Dance Magazine a follow. You can find them at Inside Dance Mag. Lastly, we would love to hear from you. If you have any suggestions, recommendations, thoughts, feedbacks, if you just want to say hello, please feel free to write us at insidedancepodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's dive into our community spotlight. This week, we are bringing attention and highlighting the American Ballet Theater's RISE program. ABT RISE, which stands for Representation and Inclusion Sustain Excellence, consists of a series of programs, initiatives, and activities embedded across all aspects of America's National Ballet Company in their education programs, their artistic and administrative endeavors, and in the fabric of ABT's corporate culture. ABT RISE supports and assures inclusivity in all that they do. Now, speaking from a personal standpoint, I think this is such a beautiful project that now more than ever is vital in spreading the importance of inclusivity within our theater and dance community. The program hopes to educate, inspire, and provide resources for communities that may not have access to the classical dance world or traditionally may not have been represented on the classical stage. I think this is so necessary to continue to inspire young dancers of all demographics that they are valuable and appreciated in our community, regardless of their ethnicity, gender, gender identity, sexual identity, weight, or upbringing. As our special guest will reiterate later in our interview with him, we are all worthy and have something valid and so important to contribute to this performance world. So how do you get involved? ABT Rise offers several workshops, intensives, and masterclasses year-round. They partner with local communities and schools across the U.S. that serve historically underrepresented populations in the classical ballet. Plus, you can learn more about their community involvement, including training scholarships and internship opportunities, on their website at abt.org community. We will have their information posted in the description below. All right. Another week. Alex, how are you? What's going on? I'm doing well. You know, I have my coffee next to me. It's a good, <laughs> it's a good time. Absolutely. Um, but honestly, I know we talked about our intentions for the new year and I've been really dedicated to the morning routine. Like it's, I'm up at like seven 30. I'm at the gym. I am 
meditating. I am drinking water. I am drinking coffee. I'm feeling it's so crazy. But on the flip side of that, I'm now going to bed at like a grandma at like 1030. You are goals. You are wellness. You are everything I wish I could be. I'm such a night hawk. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really good at sleeping. Like I'm really good at sleeping. It's on my special skills yeah. in my resume. Um, and yeah, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's also doesn't help that I live in Las Vegas where every, the entire time schedule is shifted like four shifted. hours. Yeah. Right. And if things aren't open till midnight, you're just confused. So, but that's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. I'm doing well as well. Not nearly as early as you are, but doing well and um, excited as, as things are opening back up and shows yes. are coming back and getting back to the grind. So um, summer intensive season is upon us. Nationals are upon us. There's a lot of good things coming up yes. and yeah, a lot of things to be optimistic about. So, um, what should we talk about this week? Well, I definitely wanted to talk about something that's really been on the forefront of my mind lately, and I'm sure yours as well. Um, and mainly I I'm prepping for this like two day intensive, um, that I'm going to be doing in LA and it's like a pro intensive and it's going to be really, um, intense and I'm excited for it. <laughs> I would hope and, it's intense. <laughs> it's gonna, yeah. It's intense, intensive. Um, I'm not giving more detail that I will once, once it all, um, you know, occurs, but mm -hmm. I know it's going to be about, um, kind of the tough love that the dance industry kind of needs to have, especially Ooh. as a teacher really making sure you're having enough tough love with your students in a healthy way so that they're learning, they're being disciplined, but not in a traumatic way. And I, I do find, um, and it's some students, some not, but, and I'm sure you feel this too. Some students seem to be soft and they get, they feel like when a teacher gives them a note that it's personal rather than something that is good and vital for their growth. And so as a teacher, it's hard to find that balance of being hard on students. So they feel, you feel like they can grow and have a great career and they're not going to sweat the small things when they get older. And every time they get a note, they're gonna be like, okay, yes, I'm going to take it. And then the other side of the coin where every time you tell them they're doing something wrong, it ends up being like detrimental to them when it's actually, so just trying to find where that line is and that mm -hmm. balance. It's been really interesting. And as a teacher and I teach so many different places, everyone is different. And so really trying to hone in on, if I'm teaching a masterclass, I'm as sweet as can be. I am totally. like sweet One off, as candy. I just, I'm you know, first so impression, nice. that's it. Thank you. Next. However, and even with substitute teaching, I'm, I'm nice, but how, however, I found that when I get intense and when I get stern, the main cause of it is when I've said something Oof. probably 20 times to say like, our arms need to be here on this, or I, our focus needs to be here on this. I, I will lose my mind. And I don't, yeah. I don't curse. I don't, I don't call them out in a bad way, but I am stern with them. And I am someone who like, if one person is messing up for the whole group, the whole group's going to start over. Totally. And I don't think that's mean, but I think a lot of people are triggered by that. So I want to know, what's your experience on this? I know it probably was super, um, I went a complete roundabout way of defining what we're going to talk about, but I want to hear your thoughts. I love it. I have 9,000 points I want to bring up. Um, first and foremost, tough love. Yes. I think it is, this is a disciplined art. You know, it's, 
finding that balance. And I'm going to say that a million times because it's a balance. There's no right or wrong and it's uh, a sliding scale, but finding that balance between free flowing expression, being yourself, no judgment, and also showing up, doing what's needed of you and listening. Right. Um, I, I respond well to tough love. My dance teachers growing up were very, um, and I'm sure from a dance team background as well, very drill sergeant. It was like, for lack of a better term, show up, shut up, do the job. You know, of course we had fun. Of course, I, I, they're my mentors. They're still some of my best friends I keep in touch with today. But you had to earn that respect. And when we're there to work, we're there to work. And that is a really hard thing. It's a hard culture to define. Um, I think especially coming off the tails of this pandemic where basically our home life and culture was all thrown to, you know, up in the air that it's, it's hard coming back into a dance studio and finding that dedication and finding that, mm-hmm. um, that discipline to, to hunker down. Um, at the same time, I like to have fun. I know you do too. And it's kind of the difference between a rehearsal room and a technique class, a ballet class and a jazz class. You know, like when you're at the bar, you are right. so laser focused on your technique. You're thinking about all hundreds of notes that you're always giving yourself while you're at bar also trying to find that expression right um but then when you're in a jazz class you can have or a contemporary class you can let go a little bit more and i know we've talked about this in our episode with sam watson and um you know with micah and expression but i also i love i love the technique i love the structure um Mm -hmm. so i feel like my teaching style i'm a very fun i enjoyed it I feel like my teaching style is fun and I like to create that energy almost to the point where I forget that some dancers, some students weren't trained and didn't have that same background. So I feel almost disrespected when I don't get that same um, attention to discipline and that Mm -hmm. same not talking on the sides and pick up the combo and don't make me repeat a question if somebody else asked it. But I have to take Ooh. a step back and real. Oh my gosh! If somebody, I get so rude. I'm like, well, Cindy just asked. Did you not hear? Go ask her. Um, <laughs> I'm a really nice person. I promise. I'm the but, same way. But, um, Cindy. No, that that's no, and that makes so much sense. And another thing too is, I love. <laughs> I laugh when this is my favorite thing, and I actually say it often when I show something a million times, but some people aren't. Uh, I give them a correction, and they don't do the correction right in front of me. I always say, I know how to do it. Uh, I'm not the one having a problem with it. I don't know why you, none of you are doing it in front of or, me um, because I'm, I, I'm telling you what you need to do and you're staring at me. Or if I'm I know talking, what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. If I'm talking and giving notes and people are talking on the sides, oh, it, the yeah. most effective thing. Oh, wait. I already know it. I don't, you know, you're taking class. But that's the thing is it's it's tough. And I think you make a very good point when you're teaching a one-off class, an intensive, you know, you want to keep the energy light. You're not there yeah. to to define their culture. You know, you're a guest, you're coming into their house. Whereas studios that I teach at regularly, it's like, because we, we are family and family's tough love. So it's, do you want to put in the work or not? Um, and I think it just comes down to basic respect for me is as an adult, it doesn't matter if you're a dancer, if you're in a business meeting, don't make someone repeat themselves because that means you weren't paying attention to them in the first place, which means your priorities weren't there. You weren't in the room. You weren't really listening. Um, mm-hmm. One of my biggest pet peeves is whether it's technical or not, 
if I say something as a certain way and you don't care and you do it your own way, I don't care if your leg goes up to Mars. If I want it at mm-hmm. 90, put it at 90. And that is something that, I... um, that's, that's just listening skills and following directions. And that's what gets you hired in jobs. It's like, it's crazy how we spend our entire career doing 18 pirouettes. And what are you going to do on camera? Maybe two at most. And Maybe so two. don't do 18 in the audition. Cause I don't care. I just want to see two. And, um, I think I know that I definitely came from that competition convention, outstanding, best of break the clock, whatever um, scholarship (laughs) audition where it's like, I'm going to do the combo, but did you also know that I can do four leg spins? And it's like, Uh that's great. But also when you go from 18 into the real world, keep your leg spins for, you know, your home life (laughs) and just do the job. It's so interesting. Oh my gosh. There's so many points about this. Hindsight is 2020. So obviously like going through what we've both gone through growing up in our dance industries, I cannot tell people how much it has helped me in my career. I have never once shed a tear because someone gave me a correction Mm -hmm. from, I I guess from like middle of high school on uh, most of my times I've shed a tears because of other like personal stuff that I'm trying not to bring into work. And I go into the bathroom and I cry and then yeah. I wipe my tears and then I pretend like I'm fine. Which but is another never... skill as well. Tough love yeah. on yourself and bring, yeah. not bringing that energy in. So not continue. bringing that into the work environment, but um, never like with someone like you're doing this wrong and you're like, what? Like I literally, oh. Like, oh my God, thank you for, thank you for watching me. Thank you for giving me that correction because you obviously want us all to be on the same page. And it's also crazy from a choreographic standpoint. I just choreographed a big gig last week. And a lot of times when you're brought in as the choreographer, it's not really about you at all. It is about 100% what the director wants. And you are there to be the creative mind there and also to keep your group that you're in charge of on their game. Mm -hmm. And if they want something changed, like, Hey, I don't like this part. You can't be like, well, I, I really, it's no, it's not, there's no opinion. It's, it's not, not about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're and your boss and they know what they want and what they're wanting is probably going to look amazing. So you literally have to be like, okay, great. And then you change it and then you're moving on. And it's like, there's no emotion attached to it. And yep. it's so important to be that way. And you have to get there start young. <laughs> totally. And this is, I feel like where like left, left side of your brain, right side of your brain, it's blinds are crossed and blurred because it's our passion and it's our form of communication and expression. But uh-huh. to continue your analogy, I, I know we've both worked in shows or even, uh, in just pieces, rehearsals for anything. And it's whoever the rehearsal director is, whoever the dance captain is, if they give you a note, it's as if your boss told you to change something. You're not going to go back to your boss and be like, but I like this font and it's... No, your boss is doing his or her job and asking you to change something for the sake of the overall brand and image of the company or piece or rehearsal. And so... um, And it's tough too because we do work so closely, I feel like, with our cast and our dancers that there's some people you vibe with and there's some people you don't vibe with and that's okay, but you have to put that aside. If the dance captain, if your manager, if the higher up gives you a note, you smile, you say, okay, absolutely. Cause that's their job and that's your job. Um, mm-hmm. And, but yeah, it comes from that respect and understanding comes from, I think a young age and instilling that in your students um, in the competition or conservatory training that they have 
while they're in high school, while they're in middle school. One thing I do struggle with though, is that I responded well to that, right? You responded well to that is that tough Mm -hmm. love iron hand. But I know there's, there's some people that don't and that's okay as well. I, I, always remind myself, you don't know what's happening in your student's home life, whether they're a child, whether they're adult, you never know. Some people don't have the ability to go into the bathroom and okay, separate and, and step into a studio. Um, that's a skill that takes years. mm -hmm. It's emotional intelligence, right. And, and being in touch with, with who you are and knowing that your emotions affect you if they let them. That sounds so cold, but at the same time, it's a skill. At the at the end of the day, you have to deliver a product. And I think it's a skill that should be practiced, like I said, from a young age. Not to say suppress those feelings forever. Definitely address right. your issues. Um, but it's, that's a, it's that maturity. And I also think too, maybe I'm naive in saying this, but I feel like because we're expected to do that at such a young age, dancers typically are more in tune with their emotions and kind of the bigger picture of, um, of themselves because of our dance training. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah. And you know what I've been doing with my students and I think it's really healthy and everyone, you can write to me and say, absolutely not. Um, but so like, and I know both you and I teach kids who are at convention all weekend and competition all weekend. And then they come to like technique class and like they're tired. And so I start off class. I'll be like, how are we feeling? Mm -hmm. How are we feeling today? Are we, are we tired? Like, are we feeling that way? And they'll be like, yeah, like we're exhausted. And then I address that. Cool. We're tired. We're not feeling it. And then I'll say, that's fine. We are going to find a way to push past this. Yes. I'm not going to say like, we're going easy on it. Like, okay, I know we're tired. I would probably do that with students I maybe known for 18 years and they're seniors, but I still would be like, we're going to push through it. So I address it and I say, we're going to push through it. Every time you're feeling tired, you can push mentally to get that that energy back up. All you got to do is get yourselves moving and focus on your intention for class and be present. And I promise you, you will not even be thinking about how tired you are because, and I told them, I was like, you're going to be happy weekends all the time. You're going to be having competition all the time and you're going to have to come back to the next week and have technique classes and your teachers are going to expect the most from you. And that is just the way it is. And it's never going to change. And we can address that you're tired, but we can also healthily move through it. And I think that's, I found success with that. And each week when I go back to them, there's less BS because they're like, okay, I'm tired. It's not about not addressing your feelings. Mm-hmm. It's about addressing them yeah. and finding the solution. Absolutely. And then once you do that, <laughs> then you, <laughs> which is dance. No, but then that's that mutual respect, right? If, if you're not ignoring their feelings, you, you exactly. are saying, I respect you and you respect me. So we owe it to each other to acknowledge them, but work together to work past that, to work through that and address these feelings, these, uh, exhaustion, whatever it may be at a time that we're not together, you know? Um, right. I think you just reminded me of growing up in convention, um, a speech that Joey Dowling gave once, which really basically is what you just said, but it rang true with me for a long time. And it's as a dancer, you're always going to be tired. You're always going to be sore. Something's not going to feel right. Uh, and you have to learn how to deal with it. The like when, I think in her speech, it was like, granted, we, it was like 
eight o'clock in the morning dancing in cement floors in a convention ballroom after we did like 15 competition numbers the night before. So of course we're all exhausted. But her point was, right. when is the next time you're going to be in a dance class or an audition room and be like, wow, I'm fully rested and everything in my life is great. And I can really focus on the joy of dance. <laughs> Never in your life. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Here at Inside Dance, we love dance, but you know, facts are facts. It. And the reality is that um, her point was, Take this into your professional career. You're going to be getting up at 4 a.m. You're going to be getting on the subway. You're going to have to go, you know, deal with uh, trains not running. You're going to have to, it's, life is going to continue to throw you these curveballs that you have to practice that skill of, okay, I'm setting, I, I, I'm the, this is the environment that I'm working in, that I'm dancing in, and I'm not going to let that affect my product, you know? Oh my God. Yes. That was amazing. And you just reminded me of a thought, a whole thought I had when I was driving last week. I was thinking about like my, and we've talked about this before, like my relationship with dance is something that I nurture. It doesn't happen to me. And I'm not just a punching bag for dance. Mm -hmm. I am constantly pushing and pulling with with my relationship with dance. I listen to my body. I know when I'm going to try something new. I know when I'm going to dive back into something old and I'm always really precious with it and like kind to my body, but I know when to push it Mm -hmm. and I know when to not. And I think it's really important for like us to bring that relationship, our healthy relationship with dance to our students and be like, there's times when you got to push yourself and there's times when you can like sit back and let that hard work happen to you. But yeah, I love I love everything that you just said and relating back to Joey's, what she had said in class. Like, it's just important to not be so one-sided with it. And it's all, it's important to like address all the different feelings and know when you're going to feel down and know when you're going to be sore, which is all the time. And like understanding that's a part of the process. And once you like change that mindset of say, it's a part of it, it comes with the territory as people say like life is so much easier. It's yeah. It's not one-sided. It's not linear. It's 360. It's, it's, yeah. it's dating another person. It's dance, you know, going back to our Valentine's day. Episode. Right. Um, but I think the fundamental through line here is respect, starting with the respect for yourself, respect with your emotions, respect with your approach to dance, respect to approach with your teachers, your choreographers, your castmates, those around you. Having that respect and that foundation then allows you and encourages you to focus on the craft and the job Mm -hmm. at hand. So, wow. Getting deep here. (laughs) Getting deep here really good. I know. I feel like I just, I I took myself to therapy. So yeah. Um, Well, shifting gears as serious and uh, respectful of a conversation that was um, next up, we have our special guest who is though rooted in so much respect is such a ray of sunshine, positive, just radiating energy. Um, Mm -hmm. Stay tuned for our interview with Chip Abbott guys. You don't want to miss it. We are back and ready for this week's very special guest, Chip Abbott. Chip is a stunningly talented dancer, teacher, choreographer, and director that boasts Broadway and national tour credits. He was the assistant choreographer and swing for Broadway's On the Town, plus most recently in the cast of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He has choreographed and directed for several major cruise lines and theme parks through RWS Entertainment, and you can find him on faculty at Broadway Dance Center. 
We are so thrilled to have him. So please join me in welcoming the incredibly talented and kind-hearted Chip Abbott. Hi, Chip. Hi. Thanks you for doing? having me. Of course. I'm well, Taylor. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much. Um, we're thrilled to have you on. Um, I know I've been such a fan of yours for so many years and i um, been fortunate enough to get to know you um, more so over like social media. And so it's great to see your face and um, to catch up. But um, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right in and get started. So first and foremost, uh, can you tell our listeners where you're from and how you got into dancing? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm speaking to you from New York City right now. Uh, I grew up in Carson City, Nevada, a small little town, albeit the capital of Nevada, where you are right now, um, uh, just outside of Lake Tahoe. So um, getting into dance, I think it was like your typical kid flipping over the couch, jumping on the furniture type of deal expending a lot of energy we're all alex is laughing i relate i relate (laughs) um so you know i was jumping on the furniture and i actually started in gymnastics first and um i did gymnastics for about a year and i was in oh gosh i think first grade and um was teased a bit so i of course quit um you know how that goes it's always like you're in and out um, and then I saw a production of the Nutcracker when I was about nine years old, um, with our local dance Academy. And I was like, I want to be in that. So my parents put me into one of those combo classes, tap and ballet, you know, for like an hour where you split half an hour of each. And, um, it was all boys. And, um, so I did that and then I quit dance dancing. Um, and then w- started working with a community theater And my first show with them was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which ironically was the last show I did in my career. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so after I did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I needed more dance. So then I was in dance for the long haul. That's amazing. And literally my story parallels that is, okay, the Energizer Bunny that looks like we just gave him six Red Bull is too tall for gymnastics. So what else can we do that's really energetic? Because I didn't have the coordination for... Um, any sort of sports. So I feel you on that note, but um, that's amazing. And um, I always think it's, it's so interesting to hear everybody's um, humble or not so humble beginnings of dance, but it all usually comes from that same, that same um, place of just like so much energy and, and, and wanting to, wanting to create, wanting to do something, wanting to, to channel all that energy into something um, and I'm so happy for all of us that it was dance for me, for you, for Alex. So how very cool. Yeah. And I, I love that you, that your journey was sort of, there were moments where it, it didn't stop, but we just shifted focus. And I think that's really important. And I forget a lot of times, you know, being a male dancer or a male in the theater community and growing up with that, I forget about the aspect where people get teased a lot and there's a lot that can hold you back. And sometimes when you're that young, it's really hard when you're older, you're like, okay, I just keep, you just can like ignore all of that sound. And it's really hard when you're younger. Like sometimes it's just like hurts so bad. So you're like, okay, I'm going to shift my focus to this. So I love how you've kind of, you know, moved forward with that and are, had that different, um, different focus between theater and dance and like needing more dance in your life. That's amazing. Yeah, it was definitely stop start. And I mean, in that, in that area, you know, dance isn't really prevalent, especially Mm -hmm. for men. So um, 
it was very stop and start. But you know what, though? I think that it shaped me as an adult to really learn to listen to what I want to do and what I want to be, you know? 100%. So from there, when did you have the the moment where you're like, okay, I'm doing this as a career, like committing to it full force. When was that moment for you? I think yesterday. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. (laughs) Um, I think around, I mean, I, by the time I was like 13, 14, I knew that I wanted to be in the arts um, and specifically theater in some aspect. I mean, I, I was doing drama and choir and dance all at the same time, but I would say dance was the main focus. And so around like 17, 16, 17, um, it was honestly like when we were deciding what colleges to go to, um, picking a college program was when I, when I kind of had to take that focus and figure out what it was, you know? And so I applied for some dance schools. Um, I didn't apply to any musical theater schools. Um, say I was very into ballet at, at, you know, 16, 17, which is hilarious because now I couldn't imagine (laughs) doing a ballet. (laughs) But sometimes the structure of it, it's either you love the structure and you feel attached to it. So you want to go with it. And then sometimes you're just like, no, it's not for me, but it helps with no matter what you're doing. Oh yeah. The structure is key. And I, I really think at that age I needed it. Absolutely. So a lot of our listeners are um, kind of that high school pre-professional level. Um, and I'm sure their ears are so sick of hearing about Alex and I being alumni of the University of Arizona, but you are an alumni of Oklahoma City University. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, can you just briefly describe your experience there? Because I know um, you said that you didn't apply to any musical theater programs, but I know so many incredible musical theater, dancer, actor, singer. I do literally everything at all performers that have come out of that program. So many people. It is kind of funny. It's like, I don't think I realized at the time how many people in the business I would encounter that that came from OCU. Um, yeah, the experience was great. I I... When I was applying for schools, I applied for a lot of programs that were ballet modern focused and then OCU. And um, OCU was kind of the middle ground for my parents, my parents' level of comfortability and my level of comfortability. Um, It was kind of a, you know, okay, well, you can study dance if you go to this school. I think they liked that it was a university um, with a quite a... a great amount of gen eds um, that was really important to them that I would get a really well-rounded education. And so, you know, going to OCU, I was in a bit of a state of mind where I wanted to be a concert dancer. And so there was definitely some resistance because OCU is um, the, the program that I, I studied was I, I have a BFA in dance and um, it's a musical theater based dance program. So you're getting ballet, tap, jazz, partnering, um, theater dance, ballet pedagogy, tap pedagogy, jazz pedagogy, all these um, different uh, classes. So it's really well-rounded. Um, and we were also taking private voice and acting. So at the time, I was kind of kicking and screaming because I wanted to go into um, into concert dance. And um, I, I'm so thankful now, though. Uh, well, I'm sure that we're going to touch on this in a moment, but um, 
you know, my career started in concert dance and then later transitioned into musical theater. So I was able to, to kind of go back into that, that access of um, information and, uh, and revisit my roots, you know, um, after I was done with concert dance. Uh, were you happy that your parents were kind of really uh, wanting you to go to a school that had everything? Were you happy about that, either hindsight or, or right at the beginning? Like, what were your feelings on that? Because I'm someone who's very pro that. Yeah, I mean... I think in hindsight, I'm, I'm very happy that I, you know, received the education I, I did. But um, at the time, I was definitely resistant in the beginning because I just wanted it to be all about the art. You right. know, I just wanted to study the art and the technique. Um, and, you know, it was very enjoyable. I, I would say by sophomore year, I was taking all of these history courses and um, psychology courses and learning things that I... I mean, I remember I had a class called Intimate Relationships that was about communicating with other human beings as like, be it a friendship or like a romantic relationship, you know? That should be a requirement. Like, <laughs> like oh. across the board for all humans anywhere. <laughs> and continued education. education. Okay, I let's I go. brush up. <laughs> but um, so I, I would say like halfway through, I, I warmed up to the idea. And, um, you know, it was fascinating learning about what am what is my body doing when I pull my foot up into passe? You know, like how could I explain that to a doctor in a way that they could write it in a clinical study? Um, but yeah, I understand the me- mechanics of what's happening within my body. Um, so yeah, I, I think I, I'm thankful now. And I think I was, I was thankful halfway through. That's amazing. I, I feel like it's really good to have, 360 of everything as much as we love the arts um i always think about how different my life would be if i had gone to like a performing arts high school and how different that would have affected everything um because i am very social too so it's nice meeting different people who don't do what you do and that kind of shapes you as well 100 and it's i mean at the end of the day too like it's a business you know what i mean so it's i learning learning outside of just the art is so important absolutely um so let's let's continue on this on this journey so we're with young chip that graduated college and now you said you got your start in concert dance can you um elaborate on that yeah it kind of I had several journeys um, throughout my career. <laughs> There's like different chapters, but um, right out of college, I was lucky enough uh, to apprentice with River North Chicago Dance Company. And um, I was there for like a very short amount of time. It was amazing. I mean, the training was incredible. Alex um, and I both spent many a summers there training under them, doing all their intensives, apprenticeships, learning all their repertoire. So yeah, it was yeah great. we're no, no stranger. Yeah. Got out. We could probably put on a little show. Uh, Havana Blue. <laughs> right now, let's go. <laughs> I'll never forget my first day there. We were doing, I think the piece, name of the piece was Pulse. Um, and we had- I know like, exactly the, which one you're talking about. With the booties on your feet where you slide. Is that the name of that piece? I think so. Wasn't there like- and there was like lights too. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. need to get Hannah Brixton back on to fact check us for that one. But <laughs> yeah, um, it was a bunch of sliding back and forth. And I remember I was an apprentice, so I was like, you know, kind of sneaking in the back and trying to to go a little bit unnoticed. And 
it was like run, run, run. We go into fourth position, slide. As we're sliding, we go through second position, then back into fourth on the other side. And I tripped and fell flat on my face. And it was so loud that they stopped the rehearsal. (laughs) And they were like, welcome to River North, you know? So that was kind of my... So that was day one. What else happened? I know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, after the apprentice position at River North, um, you know, I struggled because I, I knew something for me just wasn't, wasn't right. And it wasn't the company. It wasn't the people. It just was, I think for me, I wanted to perform more and I didn't know that. So um, I danced in another company in Houston um, for a short amount of time as well. And it was like a very similar cycle. Um, and just something wasn't clicking for me, you know, it it just wasn't working for what I wanted to do. And again, I didn't know. Um, so I hopped on a cruise ship. Um, I hopped on, on three cruise ships actually. Um, and, uh, you know, it was amazing. I mean, I got to go all over the world. We were going to Australia. We went to Alaska, all over the Caribbean, Europe. It was amazing. And um, I did a lot of soul searching. And I realized when I was doing the ship shows that what I wanted to be doing was performing. Um, you know, it was great to put in the work and be in a rehearsal process and, um, and train, but I really wanted to do eight shows a week. So I saved up some cash and then moved to New York. Um, and then uh, transitioned into musical theater. I was about 25 when I moved to New York. So it was a bit later in my career. I mean, I say later in quotes, like what's late in a dance career. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that took me to New York. I think 25 is a perfect age to move there. And I think you touch on something that's so important, like the financial stability of saving up money, especially, which is why like cruise ships are such a great opportunity uh, because you do get to perform and then you can save up that money. But I think 25 is a great age. And honestly, those like in your twenties, it's like the perfect time to take risks. And honestly, I think the thirties too, I'm not in my thirties yet, but take those risks. Um, that's amazing. So once you got to New York, what was that like? How, when was your first audition? How did that all, you know, blossom? Unfold oh. into your amazing musical theater career. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I would be lying if I said it wasn't a huge learning curve. I mean, it's a very, it's a very different side of the business. You know, you're not only dancing, you're acting and you're singing. Um, and so I definitely had a little bit of catching up to do vocally. Um, and I needed to get into some acting classes. So it, it took a little bit um, to, to get into the audition scene there. I mean, we're talking hundreds of auditions. I, I, Remember, I like started an audition calendar in in a notebook, and like I think by August I'd auditioned for, I mean like 150 things, and I mean, it was this chart where I'd be like called back, or like I, I would I would say went to the open call, was asked to sing, did not get a call back, got a call back for this, like trying to figure out some sort of madness, writing down the casting director's name, director's name, choreographer's name, trying to figure out a pattern. It's like and those charts in the magazine where you're like, if you do this, it leads to this. And then you try to yes. put that together. It's so hard. 100%. 100%. And um, I, my first job, I will say there was a learning curve. I was lucky. Um, I landed, I, I moved... I moved in January of 2007, I believe. 
And then um, I landed my first show. I think we started rehearsals in like August and it was West Side Story at the Fulton Theater with Josh Burgoss. And um, Josh at the time was doing a lot of regional theater. He was teaching at Broadway Dance Center. This was before he choreographed the TV show Smash. Um, so my first connection was with Josh Burgoss. And um, I would continue after West Side Story to take his class. You know, I made sure that I'd always go up after class. Thanks so much for class, Josh, you know. And that kind of led to um, a little bit of a chain reaction of... Um, when I was in the city, you know, because I would go away for a regional theater job for anywhere from like two to nine months at a time. And when I was back, I would always touch base with Josh and he'd say, oh, I'm choreographing for this benefit. Like, do you want to do it? And um, of course, whenever Josh Burgos says, you know, asks me to do something, I will bend over backwards to make it happen. Um, and so, you know, we do a free benefit here, this gig there. Um, and it was really fun. I mean, I remember one time we did uh, a small little residency in Long Island on the beach. Um, uh, and it was like a week, you know, of just creating dance and like laying out on the beach, you know. And that eventually led to gig after gig with Josh. Um, and I eventually assisted him on my Broadway debut, which was on the town. That's incredible. And it's... If our listeners have been listening since the beginning, they know that I am such a Smash fan. I am such a Josh Bergas fan. Um, and so I'm I'm so happy to have you on and uh, pick your brain about this because I would love to know more about like his process. But I also want to say pause, intermission, because it was at this point at that I met you for the first time, Chip. So yes. um, it was, um, I was in New York for an audition or something. I, I don't know, maybe I was up there for like a weekend and I was like, I want to go take class at Broadway Dance Center. And they were having a, a repertoire qu- class from On the Town taught by the dance captain, the assistant choreographer. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to go take this class and check it out. And I remember it was you and Paloma that were teaching um, rep from the show. And I think it must've been like my sophomore junior year of college because like I had just gotten off my musical theater high of working with Ann Ranking and Gary Chris so I was very similar to you I was like I love the art of dance but also I was like I want to entertain so I was like that fire was very fueled so I remember taking the class being absolutely in love not only with the rep but both of y'all's teaching styles like just the best energy um and in that class you gave away two tickets to see the show that night and I was lucky enough to have those tickets and I got to the show and I was just so, so floored in love. It was such an incredible show. Um, if you're listening and haven't seen On the Town, if you're not familiar, get on YouTube right now. It won't do it justice, but look it up. It was such, such a beautiful show. And um, I was so grateful for that experience um, because it led to this connection. And um, it, it's, it was just such, such a beautiful trip, I remember, to New York. So, yay. Interject Taylor. Okay, <laughs> moving on with our story. <laughs> um, so let's, let's unpack that On the Town process. How was that? Um, first of all, thank you for your kind words. I have such a special place in my heart for On the Town. And I think it is so cool that, um, you know, we were able to meet in that Broadway Dance Center class. It was so magical. Just Paloma and teaching that beautiful rep and you were there. It was incredible. So thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. Um, on the Town was 
I mean, I think hands down the wildest ride I have ever been on in my career. Um, I feel like before we talk about the Broadway run, I want to, can I talk about how we got there? Absolutely. Please do. Okay. So On the Town started at Barrington Stage Company in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. And it was a, um, you know, a summer stock job. And um, I mean, of course, anytime Josh Bragas says jump, I say how high. So I remember I hadn't worked with Josh for a little bit. It had been a couple of years because Smash was happening. I was in and out of town. I went on a tour. And, um, and so I was a little nervous walking into this room. And I look around and I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a who's who of Broadway here for this, you know, production at Barrington Stage Company. Like, what am I getting into? So we're doing the combo. And um, I call it going into the white room. You know, when like you completely forget everything and you're like, what is dance? I, I, ever- I relate as well. Yeah, <laughs> I that, know exactly what you're talking about. That happens to me way more often than it should. I don't know if I should be concerned, but yes, very familiar. I think it's usually when you're getting invested in the, in the character. Because I remember distinctly in the moment I was like, screw this, I'm just going to dance, you know? And, and um, in the moment it kind of like foiled me. I feel like I was like, oh crap, you know? But can you hear my dogs snoring right now? Oh, I'm it's a, so cute. I have a French bulldog. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's it okay sounds, though. it adds character. It's perfect. I love it. I love it. Cameo. Okay. So I forget the combination and I do, I, I call it MSUing, making stuff up. Um, and I just was like, da, da, da. I've got a smile on my face. I'm going to dance this combo because it's nothing like what was choreographed. But I made sure that there was no stop. Like I just kept going. And, um, you know, we finished and, you know, you're standing in the pyramid, like three people going at one time. And, and, uh, Josh looks up at me, he calls me chippers and he goes, chippers. How many pirouettes was that Four? And I go "Mm, five, Josh, but who's counting, you know, just like totally like what a fool. I can't. (laughs) And I left that room and I was like, there's not a chance in hell that this is going to happen. You know? Um, now I think it was paramount to learn from that mistake. I took that mistake and I learned from it. Um, and I, I do remember, although I messed up the combination, I was like, well, I feel, at least I feel good about what I did. So I got the call the next day that I was going to be the dance captain of the Barrington stage production, which was awesome. And we're like a week into rehearsals and I'm like, wow, this is a lot of material. Like this is a lot, like there's three huge ballets. This Bernstein score is crazy to count. I'm going to document this like crazy. So I took crazy notes, staying up till two in the morning, documenting it like crazy because we didn't have swings. We didn't have understudies at Barrington Stage Company. So I was like, if someone goes down, it's going to be me that's going to have to go in. We need to put all those notes in the uh, Chip Abbott Hall of Fame next to your audition calendar. (laughs) We'll just, yeah. (laughs) We'll immortalize them. <laughs> it's a stack about like the size of the Empire State Building. Now. Oh my huge. God. <laughs> um, so cut to like, I don't know, October maybe of that year. Um, I think it was 2013. Um, Josh gives me a call and he says, hey, so On the Town might potentially be moving to Broadway and we're going to do a dance lab in December are you 
like, do you remember the choreography? Do you, you know, and I was like, I think so. Cue panic. <laughs> and, um, and I, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, because again, when Josh Brigas says jump, I say how high. Um, so I feel like maybe three weeks later, I find myself in audition, in an audition room behind the table teaching combinations for what I do. I, I don't really know if it's going to be my Broadway debut or not. You know, I know that I'll be involved in some regard, but I don't know if I'll be performing in it or helping put up the show. Um, Josh also had an associate choreographer, um, Greg Graham, who's incredible and I love, and the three of us were the choreography team. I was assistant choreographer. Um, so we auditioned everyone for the dance lab, put up the dance lab, um, we took what we had at Barrington Stage Company and flushed it out. We added like maybe 20 to 30 extra minutes of dance onto the show, performed that version. It was like a Reader's Digest version though. It was just the ballets in front of um, a bunch of backers. I mean, it's literally like Smash. <laughs> um, in front right. of a bunch of theater owners, backers, um, and presenters. And um, eventually the show got a theater and we put the show up on Broadway. And when we were on Broadway, I was assistant dance or no, sorry, assistant choreographer. I was the dance captain and the male swing all at the same time. <laughs> many hats, many literal hats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dude, oh, that's such an, such like a beautiful evolution of a show. And what an exciting um, exciting part to play in it. Um, very stressful sounding, I'll be honest, but exciting. Yes. <laughs> um, I have a question and forgive me if this is as somebody that's not as experienced in musical theater, the difference between associate choreographer, assistant choreographer in relation mm -hmm. to the lead choreographer. Can you explain that? that I'm just my curious. Question too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So it, it, it kind of varies depending on who the choreographer is. You know, I, I think any, any given choreographer will kind of have a different idea of how they would like those roles to participate in a choreographic process. But um, what worked really well for Josh, Greg, and myself, um, you know, is, is Josh is creating most of the content. Um, Greg is mostly a creative consultant. Like he is, he's going to be the one that like when Josh is like, Ooh, I'm not crazy about this step. How do we change it or alter it to make X, Y, and Z happen? Greg kind of steps in there. Right. And then if Greg is needing help with that, then I kind of step in. Um, and those roles can kind of vary from show to show, you know, like I know when Greg was, or I mean, I don't know, but um, in our conversations that I've had with Greg, it seems like his, his function when he was associate choreographer on Billy Elliot was uh, to not only retain the show, um, but also help audition people, put new people in and act as a supervisor over the show. Um, on the Town was a little bit of a different beast because um, Greg was there for most of the creative process. And then once the show was up, was kind of on a, um, on an as needed basis, like he would come in, you know, say we're doing the Tony Awards and we need to restage the show or like a couple numbers for the Tony Awards. He would come in then with Josh. Um, my job as assistant choreographer was mainly to teach the, the cast, um, at the, the material from dance lab version to Broadway version. Um, and, uh, what else would I do? Um, 
you know, I would collaborate with Greg sometimes if there was like, if we were troubleshooting in certain areas. Um, so basically it would go choreographer and then directly under the choreographer, the associates, then under the associate, the assistant choreographer, then under them, the dance captain. And in a Broadway show, the dance captain has like a variety of responsibilities as well. Sometimes they will teach the cast like, like I did. Um, I'm saying like brand new build, teach the cast like from the ground up. Um, a dance captain's responsibilities though, once a show is open is to maintain the show, make sure that they're in contact with the choreographer and the stage manager, putting in all of the new people. So anytime you get a new cast member, um, putting new people into the show, um, brush up rehearsals, daily notes, stuff like that. Did that answer your question at all? 100%. Because a lot of times the choreographer works really closely with the creative team. And so everything that has to make sense with storyline and all of that, but you need everybody else to make sure the cast knows what's going on. And then you have the swings too. So just making sure everything's running smoothly so that the choreographer isn't in charge of like cleaning it day in, day out. And Right. All of those other details. Kind of like the right. cast liaison. Like you're the yeah. point of contact from the choreographic standpoint so that the choreographic team more so can focus on the artistic. Right. Right. As I understand it. Thank you for clarifying can, that. <laughs> oh, of course. And then we can divide and conquer too. You know, like the, sometimes there would be moments. I remember there was like a moment where, what number was it? Um, Times Square Ballet where, you know, Josh was working with the principals downstage and we had a moment upstage that was, you know, the ensembles dancing in couples and Josh, uh, you know, would say to like Greg and I like, Hey, can you take this up there? Um, kind of based off of this concept, um, make like four counts of this partnering work and don't be precious about it because I'll probably change it. I mean, he didn't say, right. that, like, you know, <laughs> we, we have to do that ourselves. Um, you know, we have to not be precious about it, but, um, yeah. And then I remember like Greg and I like made up two to four accounts of like choreography as couples, you know? Um, so yeah, it can, and it, and it varies from choreographer to choreographer. I want to commend you on something because a lot of other successful, uh, dancers and artists that we talk to, they always have this similar, uh, through line where they take things uh, into their own hands. And like with you taking the notes of everything and writing everything down, that is so important to the success of everyone, not only yourself, but everybody else. And it's so important to like, not just show, obviously show up, do the work, uh, be happy, but going that extra mile of like, okay, I want to make sure I know every detail of this so that it, we can maintain, the integrity of everything. It's so important to, and we shouldn't be afraid to take things into our own hands to understand things better and really lock down the details. I love that. So that's congratulations to you for like taking your own initiative for things. Thanks. And Alex, I mean, I, you 100% are correct. It's about the details because there's those little things that are going to sneak up on you Yeah. or on like whoever you're teaching. It's like when I run off stage, where do I change my wig? Who do I go to? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yep. And those are the things that like, when you get into the run of a show, you know, you're not going to remember unless you write them down. It's right. like, I mean, I remember like, well, I don't know if I should talk about it. I'll talk about it. <laughs> there was a lot of like partnering in one number and Ivy's in this tiny little Leo. And there's a moment where these men that are towering in front of her 
um, are covering her. And there's a choreographed wedgie pick because if you don't pick that wedgie <laughs> for the rest of the number, it's it's not cute. It's <laughs> wedged. It is there. <laughs> and I mean, that's obviously like you know a silly a silly detail, but. You know, there's those little things like, where does this prop handoff happen? How do I get this out of my hand? That, you know, if you don't write them down, no one else will. Did you ever run into situations where someone was like, uh, they had a position and they were like, that's not my job. Like you gave them a task or something. They're like, that's not my job. Mm, Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. This happens. This happens. (laughs) It is definitely, I would say any sort of associate or assistant choreographer or dance captain job is like, 80% 80% psychology, 20% <laughs> dance business. You know what I mean? Like, I and, and with those people- Aren't you so glad you took your relationships course in college? Cause that's I really flexing that muscle right now. <laughs> it paid off. Yeah. It paid off. Yeah. Like literally you just have to say like, okay, cool. Um, hey, can you do this? Great. Yeah. You got everything. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. It sounds like such a such a, a whirlwind. And again, just from seeing it firsthand, all those details, all that work, the Empire State Building of Notes absolutely paid off because the show was so flawless. And um, I'm so grateful to, to have seen it. Yes. But I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Um, I know, you know, we could sit here and talk about your theater career uh, for so much longer. But um, one thing that uh, I want to discuss with you recently, um, because I know you were in Las Vegas for it, was your... Um, working your, and I'm butchering your title, so please clarify me, but your relationship with RWS Cruise Lines and the um, the building of the brand that is Step One Dance Company. Yeah. I, I now, Chip, I, you were at the audition. You taught the audition that I went to uh, back in 2019. I think She was the fierce one with the blunt bob. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I literally, like, as you were talking, I was like, okay, I know Chip. We've met, like, long time ago, long time ago. You're like, until you see me do the ballet combination. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. It's funny that you said you were going to, like, butcher my title with RWS because, honestly, like, <laughs> there are many different things that I do for them. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what I do. But um, I've choreographed and directed, I think, nine shows for RWS among, wow. like, yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, I think that happened between... 2017 and like 2019 um, between all of their different cruise line clients. So I've choreographed and directed for Azamara club cruises, um, Holland America. I was a choreographer on that for step one um, Hershey park. I think that's it. But um, with step one specifically, so step one is a dance company that um, is produced by RWS entertainment group in conjunction with Holland America Cruise Lines. And um, they kind of travel to different ships with this amazing, um, you know, multimedia dance package. And it's six dancers, no singers, and, um, you know, hour-long shows that are unreal. I mean, we are talking like hard, hard dancing. I mean, you both have danced the material, you know it's tough. And you all looked ferocious at those auditions, by the way. Um, it was one of the hardest auditions I've been to. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's five combinations of varying styles. There's like commercial dance, ballet, contemporary dance, 
heels, partnering. I mean, it's, it's a long day. It's you know? Alex and I both have so many friends, both that were alumni with us at school. Um, but all like Joe Rivera, Matt Linity, Cindy Reed, mm. Mandy Dre. I mean, the list goes on of like friends of ours that I, I remember hearing about this and I was like, what is this project? Cause these, this cat, this cast is incredible. And they all Fire. speak so highly of the process. So yeah. kudos to you. <laughs> It is, it is wild. And thank you. I mean, I have such a small part in it, but um, yeah. Okay. So in, with step one specifically, um, I am, uh, so I, I choreographed one of the shows or I didn't choreograph the full show. There was a show that had three contributing choreographers, myself, Brooke Wendell and Melanie, Melanie Lewis Weibar. Um, and then Mel was the uh, the principal choreographer. She's so, so fierce. <laughs> oh, she's unbelievable. Wild. Like, it's a master class being in the room with her a- and with Brooke. I mean, they're, they're incredible. Um, and directed by John Sharon. So what happened with that specific show is three different choreographers in different rooms at different times. And none of us are able to see each other's work. But there's a through line that the director has created. Um, and so it, it kind of, it, it resulted in this really beautifully cohesive yet uh, textured and, and, um, and nuanced show called Stages. So I choreographed them uh, for step one. And then I also go on the audition tour as an audition assistant. So I get to travel with um, the casting director, uh, Franklin Warfield and uh, Chris Babcock and literally travel the world. Like we'll be in Australia for a week and run auditions there. Then we go to the UK, then we go to Vegas. So it's unreal because we get to see all of these incredible dancers, like the two of you, um, and be in these wonderful rooms. And it's, I have to say like, it is my favorite job. I love it. It's so great. That's amazing. I can tell just by everybody who's involved with it, that it's a really awesome, level-headed, stable, uh, team and everybody just kind of wants the best for it. And I think it's great having a small cast. I think that has a lot to do with things running smoothly. And I, I know a big thing that they talked about was that it was a very, um, yes, we're dancing as a group, but also they're soloists. So everyone had to be a really strong dancer. So everybody's kind of just leveling up show after show, which is one of the best jobs ever is when you're constantly leveling up and feeling inspired by your castmates. Oh, it's, it's inspiring and intimidating. <laughs> like some of the people that walk into these rooms are like, oh, okay, here we go. I hope I can make something that is worthy of like, take a Joe Rivera, for example, you know? Um, yeah, it's really out of this world. And I mean, the choreo, mine, I mean, mine aside, I'm not speaking for mine. I'm talking about all of these other choreographers. Like I just sit there in those rehearsals and like my jaws on the floor. It's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen happening on cruise ships. Wow. That's incredible. And what a, what a beautiful thing to be a part of such a pivotal moment in cruise ship entertainment. Cause it really did redefine the standard and lift it up so much. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, well, Chip, I want to round us out with just a few questions here. Um, I can't thank you enough again for, um, just taking this time to sit here and chat with us. Uh, but I know you mentioned um, your your slip and slide, I'll say, with River North during your uh, Pulse rehearsal. 
but I'm sure you've got to have some other funny, embarrassing, silly pinch myself moments that have happened either on stage in an audition room or uh, somewhere in between. So hit us with that. Oh my God. I mean, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have two like opening night um, funnies. Mm. The first time I went into on the town was in like literally in the middle of a performance. It was like, you know, so-and-so's out, you're on, go. And um, I don't know if you all know the dancer Sky Maddox. She's this beautiful Mm -hmm. dancer in New York. Um, And oh my gosh, she's unreal. And um, Sky was my partner for the Dream Coney Ballet. And there's a moment where she like steps into this beautiful arabesque and I'm supposed to grab um, right armpit and left leg and press her up in this arabesque, but it's a slow press, like an eight count to press her up, you know? <laughs> of course it is. Right, right. Because it'd be too easy to do it with a plie and a pop. <laughs> oh yeah, no plie pop. We, we don't want to distract, you know what I mean? So this slow press up, and then I'm supposed to hold her and rotate as Tony Yazbek walks underneath her leg in arabesque. And everything's like really underwater. Um, you know, we have this 29-piece orchestra playing, like, beautiful strings. It's quiet. It's, like, one of those moments where, like, if we did have point shoes on, you would hear the boxes, like, hitting the deck. <laughs> and um, I have her in this lift, and then you hear... <laughs> My hands, when I get really nervous, get so sweaty. And so her armpit is making, oh. like, fart noises. Oh, my God. And Tony, like, puts his head underneath the, the arabesque, like he's ducking it, and he goes, what the heck? You know? Um, so that was the opening night around the town for me. You know, and remember, it's, the old, it's you're the swing, so it's like your opening night only. Everyone right. else has done yep. the show. Yep. And then for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, uh, I, we were in the middle of a Loompa Land number. Really high energy me in a bright red wig, you know, bald guy, we're figuring it out. And I have a puppet strapped to my body, so I can't use my hands and I'm on my knees. And it's like, we're doing a little Oompa Loompa kick line and my red wig falls off and falls behind me. So (laughs) what does Christian Borel do, but come over and like massage my head and rub my head and like make a bit (laughs) out of it, you know? But I remember running off stage and my dresser's like, where's your wig? And I'm like, I don't know. know." And I'm like, I don't know. It fell off. You know, (laughs) that had to, how did you keep it on most of the time? For our listeners, um, Chip has a beautifully shaved head. He, uh, it's very shiny. So how do we, how do you secure (laughs) a wig to, uh, when you're bald? Definite learning process in on the town. Like most of them were made for my head, so they amazing. Yeah, um, Charlie. I think I had some repurposed wigs, and then some that were like actually made for my head. But um, you know, the wig has lace in the front, uh-huh. um, and so what they would do with me is they would take a, like an ace bandage type of thing. <laughs> yep. Right. Yeah, and then it's sewn into lace in the front, mm-hmm. so it's like half lace in the front, ace bandage in the back. So the ace bandage gets taped down in the back. Lace gets glued to my head in the front. That's right. And glued on those edges, wig- girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the wigs would pin into the lace. So they could just take off 
whatever they needed. So it, it meant gluing and then taking glue off of my head. Every That's right. Sponsored yeah. by Elmer's. <laughs> oh, and I mean, we're talking like in the winter time, I'll have a beanie on, I'm out for coffee. It's, and then I go to and pick it, it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come off. Oh Hashtag performer God. things. I yeah. remember seeing so many wigs fly off when I was working at Love. And because it's ha- it has to be so hard for the men, like with either short hair or no hair. Like how I always was like, how do they, they I'm nervous so mine's going to come off. And the, yeah. everyone would get their fresh fade and they'd be like, dang it, Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. only did the glue for PR events. I would gl- have them glue it down because I always was so paranoid. <laughs> but with eyelash glue, I had eyelash glue permanently stuck to my eyes for four and a half years. Like I could not, sometimes just, it's what it is. That's amazing. I love those stories. Yeah. It was definitely a memorable, you know, Oompa Loompa sighting. (laughs) I love that. Chip, if you could, um, final question. What is one piece of advice that you would give to young dancers um, that are looking to come out of this pandemic and either pick up back into their dance career or maybe they're starting fresh what would be your advice to them um okay so i would say first and foremost um you need to listen to what you want and what you want to do and figure out how that fits into the dance world as opposed to vice versa you know, we don't want we don't want to try to be everything that everyone tells us we need to be. And it's really tough right now with social media, with Instagram, Facebook. Well, what's Facebook? We I mean, who is I'm kidding. But with with social media, with Instagram, Facebook, all of these different platforms, where we're we're seeing the immediate result, but we're not seeing the hard work that goes into creating that result. And then we start comparing. We start looking at who we are and trying to be that. And I think it's important to look at who you are, realize that you have something valid and very important to offer to the world and to the dance world. Um, Your experiences are important and they should be heard and they should be a part of who you are. They're unique. and, um, And so take that and bring it with you everywhere you go. We love dancers who can make informed choices based on real life um, experience. And so just be you. Be the best you that you can be. And don't worry about what other people think. Um, Take it or leave it. Everybody needed to hear that. Everybody like rewind another 30 seconds and listen to that (laughs) again. I think I needed to hear it. (laughs) That was beautiful beautiful so well said chip we cannot thank you enough for all of your knowledge your time for sharing your story um for our listeners um you should stay up to date with chip obviously we've just spent the past 45 minutes um learning picking his brain but give him a follow on social media you can find him on instagram at chipstergram that's c-h-i-p-s-t-e-r-g-r-a-m uh, Chip, thank you so, so, so much. It was so great to see your face, to catch up with you. We really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, Alex and Taylor, it was awesome chatting with you and seeing you both. Um, and I hope we can, you know, see each other in person sometime very soon. Hopefully. You're so lovely. Thank you so, so much. This is amazing. Thank you. All right. Stay well. Thank you.